Now is the time to join the D.C. family. Secure your season ticket membership for the 2021 season today for as little as $100 per seat and lock in all the exclusive benefits of D.C. 12 Club membership. Call 202-661-5050 or visit dc12club.com to learn more. Welcome to another episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group and part of the Wizards Podcast Network. All podcasts on the Wizards Podcast Network are available wherever you get your podcasts and are featured on Wizards Radio 24-7 and the Wizards app. You can follow the Wizards Podcast Network on Twitter, at WashWizardsPN, and please subscribe, download, rate, and review wherever you listen. I'm Jackson Filio, and on today's episode of Off the Bench, Zach Rosen, Chris Gehring, and I are joined by NBC Sports Washington's Chris Miller to recap the best moments of the Wizards season, look forward to the 2020 draft, and what Wizards fans can expect to see from the team next season. All right, guys, the Wizards have wrapped up their long, wacky stop-and-start season um, last Thursday. Everybody, including our our very own Zach Rosen, is back here in D.C., and we're also joined today by Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington to help us put a bow on this past year before before we turn the page onto next offseason. So I think, though, before we dive in, Zach, obviously, welcome back, and, you know, we we wish you had been – down in Orlando a little bit longer, but um, you know I, I think there are, are plenty of positives that we've all, we've all talked about and are excited to break down going forward. But I think the question has to be asked: Do you or do you not miss the bubble? <laughs> there are aspects of the bubble that uh, I think we will all miss. You know, the camaraderie, uh, just being around each other every day in the meal room, laughing or you know getting ready before the game, and then. It was nice, you know, to have people prepare your meals and your laundry, do your laundry for you. But, you know, beyond that, uh, it's good to be able to walk outside and go wherever you want, still wearing a mask, you know, still uh, observing that social distancing. But went for a nice walk today in D.C. To, to run some errands and just, you know, feel free in a way. But, no, it was such a positive experience um, outside of not being able to see family and friends and loved ones and, um, you know, have – my usual people around me covering the team, you know, including you guys, I, it was a really positive experience. I think everybody felt that way. Um, you know, we'll, we have a lot of stuff still coming from the bubble. Uh, Troy's final vlog will come out next week. We have a documentary in the work. So um, it's all good stuff and um, appreciate everyone, you know, who followed along. Yeah, no doubt. So, okay, guys, what we're going to do, we're going to run through five questions to, summarize and, and recap the season that was and use some of that information to uh, look forward a little bit to next season. But let's start with a light one, Chris, and you can go ahead and, and take the first swing at this one. What was your most memorable moment of this past season? I think the back-to-back nights of watching Bradley Beal uh, take his game to another level, dropping 250 pieces on consecutive nights was something that uh, – I kind of took a step back and was like, if if I was just a fan and didn't just cover the team, how would I feel about watching the closest thing to Michael Jordan? And that was it with Brad, just seeing him be mentally tough during those two nights. And I literally joked with him the other day when we had him on our uh, pregame show. It's like, you know, I'm a father and I can barely get up and go to work let alone have two kids under the age of three and would get up and get 250 balls 
in in the NBA. So for me, I thought those were just like special moments. And then that one specific play for me kind of stands out in my mind. And Zach, you might remember this in Charlotte when Davis came down and I think he launched from like 40 feet. And we were like, oh, expletive. I can't believe he just shot that. Oh, expletive. He made that shot. So those are kind of like the ones that kind of like stand out to me. A lot of Davis comes to mind, I think, just like absolutely scorching off the bench and his passion for the game. I mean, every night Brad just brought it. And I, I think his streak was incredible. His game winner was just memorable because it was against a really good opponent. Um, the play was so well designed and included everybody. Um, and then the locker room after he puts Deuce down and Deuce starts crying because his dad's about to get covered in, in water. It was just, you know, that was like the peak happiness from this group. And I thought it really, you know, encapsulated uh, how this team worked together. Um, but, you know, it feels like so long ago now, but I feel like that's what, what comes to my mind. Yeah. I, I think Davis gives the similar impression to me and to Wizards fans is like, we were just talking before we just started recording this about watching Damian Lillard literally cross the half court line and pull up totally confidently. Like it is not a rush shot. There's 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Davis Bertans is, is the Wizards version of that type of confidence. And just watching him, I think we knew he had that kind of range. We knew he was a prolific three-point shooter. But watching him come into his own as a guy who is like, look, I know we have Bradley Beal on this team, but when we need when we need points fast, I'm ready to do that whenever I need to do it. I'll come off the bench and do it. It's probably going to be his role again going forward. We'll talk about that. But his his he had so many games where just – it, 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 it's like he was tossing into the ocean. The one against Philly comes to mind. He hits, I guess, seven threes. But um, just his his growth this year, and I guess the Philly game is that, is that moment for me where I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is a, you know, first of all, what a steal for the Wizards. And second of all, this is a critical, critical piece of this team going forward. Yeah, and for me, we have to go way, way, way back to last October, but it was that Houston game, and unfortunately, a loss, but 159 to 158, and it, like, it was just, <laughs> it was obviously just super entertaining, but it also really set the table for a lot of what the season was for the Wizards. It was Brad going off 46 points. Um, the offense was incredible. Davis hit six threes. The offense was great. The defense wasn't great. It was super entertaining. It was fun the whole way through. Um and those themes, while very, very over the top on display that night, were a lot of the same themes that we just saw throughout the entire rest of the season. Um, and it came early. That was, I mean, that was the home opener for, for this season. And it also happened to be the night that the, the Nationals won the World Series. So just when you consider everything that went into that night, that, was, that one was really, really cool. But I think going that far back, remembering where we were all the way back in October, we'll use that looking into question two here, what do we know about this group now that we didn't know way back then in October at the start of the season? You know, I think for me, I didn't know that these young kids would develop the way that they did. And I think the fact that they got to go down to Orlando and obviously they didn't get the results that they wanted. Luckily they got that first win in the last game, but um, you know, for Thomas Bryant, I think of his consistency um, 
I think of Troy Brown being able to show that um, all facets of his game is on display. I think Isak Banga is a piece that I'm intrigued to see down, um, you know, for years to come because he's somebody that doesn't need the basketball in his hand to impact games. And that's really important on teams. Not everybody can shoot. Uh, Rui Hachimura had, I think, the typical roller coaster season for a rookie. Um, good moments. Uh, obviously, he had a, an injury that set him back. Um, and I think he had three bad games in a row in Orlando. And I thought that was like the best thing that could happen for him because then now he can look at tape and see what it's like to be double teamed, to have a better appreciation for what John and Brad have to go through because he had to go through that in Orlando. Um, so I, I think the young players, I didn't know how they would develop. I know that this was a development year uh, with John being out, but I'll go just straight to Orlando. I think the three scrimmages and the eight games were invaluable in terms of their development. Now what they do from today until when the season starts again, whenever that is, is going to be really up to them. But I think they've put enough on film now where Tommy and Scott and everyone else in the front office and coaching staff can say, okay, are these guys good enough to now run with wall and Beal when they come back? Because as you guys all know, um, I've coined the phrase, playtime is over. Next year is the most important year of this organization. And people are like, what, what do you mean by that? Wall and Beal are coming back. And their mindset is a little bit different than what it was when John left before. So hopefully we've seen enough from the young kids. But if they haven't, then I think what's happened now, though, is these young players have at least opened the eyes for other teams to look at their skills also. And I'm not saying that that wasn't the case before, but it's so much promising to see Tommy and what his staff has done in terms of allowing these kids to grow, where now their skills are good enough where if you make a phone call and want to make a trade, I think you have viable assets at your disposal. Absolutely. I mean, I think just the Orlando experience was in a way a showcase internally and externally. Um, and we won't dive too much more into that, but I think it speaks for itself. You were able to really evaluate what you had. And I think those players knew it. It was like competing for minutes at a different level. Um, and I think a lot of players took advantage of it. Um, and some of the other things I think we learned since October was, I think this team is just going to play and we'll get into this with John and Brad. This team is going to have to play this way on offense to continue to be successful where, it can't just be two ball-dominant players all the time. Yes, they can be late in the game, but the flow of the offense works so well this year. that. And John has talked about this. He knows it. He needs to be able to, to let Brad bring the ball up or play off the ball and, and all that, and I think he will. Um, he's accepted that. He's watched film and, and all that. So I think we learned a lot about, you know, how these guys can play with Brad. But bring John in, how can they learn to play with, with John too? So. That's an important thing we learned, but um, I think, like you mentioned, the end of the bubble was so big for, for Thomas Bryant to show for to himself, especially, I can do this again. You know, I had an injury that really messed up my season, but I can be that pick-and-roll guy. I can improve defensively. I'm still only freshly 23 years old. I can do this. I think Troy needed that. I don't know if Bonga needed it as much or Jerome. They kind of just needed a little more opportunity. But for Troy and Thomas, 
two guys who've now been with the program for two years, they needed that experience. And I just think we didn't really know what to expect out of them going into this year. Um, Thomas had the new deal. He didn't know what his motivations would still be. Um, and, and that's not his fault. That's just how the game goes. And, and Troy was fighting for minutes. So um, another guy who I think we, we realized is going to fit great with John is Ish Smith. I, I cannot say enough about what Ish brought to this team this season. Honestly, I hope we can have him for the rest of his career because I actually think, and, and he said this to me, that his best basketball is still ahead of him. He's becoming a better shooter. He's still so fast, even at his age. He's going to play the same speed as John and Brad. He just fits in. So um, just around there, and, and I think overall Brad grew as a leader. I think there are frustrating moments, but but this is his program, him and John. This is what, now that they're older, they can run the program along with the leadership that that's within. Yeah, Brad, Brad's ability to bring these guys along has been, even even in a tough season when you're maybe not getting as many of those big crunch time moments for everybody to grow at the same pace as he's been able to grow in his career. I mean, he had so many big games as a really young player. He and John got to grow up really fast as young players in this league. And this year wasn't quite like that for the likes of Troy and Thomas. But I think I think that their, their ability to, to take bigger roles in Orlando was huge. Hearing John on, on the broadcast a couple games ago just talk about what he needs out of Thomas Bryant, hearing what he, he loved about playing with a guy like Marcin Gortat and thinking that Thomas can be a same kind of player um, was really encouraging to hear. I mean, we know that John can watch a game and break down everything that's happening on the floor in, in seconds. But he knows what he needs out of guys like Thomas Bryant, out of guys like Troy. And I, I'm so excited to see a guy like Thomas – step into a role where he's playing that pick and roll or that pick and pop game with John, because he has another dimension to his game as a big man. We learned that in Orlando that he can do two things. The defense has to think about two things with Thomas when he's in that pick and roll situation with John. And that's dangerous because you're going to have to pick your poison. And if he continues to grow, Chris, like you said, if he, if he gets to, take more advantage of this off season. If they continue to grow, even if it's a longer break, whatever it is, um, he's going to take another step as a, as a big time player in this league. And I think he's already taken another step too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I remember uh, last summer he was in LA and I remember PJ Tucker in a pickup game looked at him and was like, dude, you're like really good. <laughs> so the vets in the league are realizing, you know, that this, this kid has, there, there's something there. Uh, I've harped on it for the last couple of games, and I'll say it here. Um, there's a dimension to his game where I think he uh, needs to look at Marching Gortat video and learn how to screen the hell out of somebody. Yeah. So it opens up not only his game, but everybody else out there. I thought he improved in screening. Uh, it's something that I talked to Coach Brooks about, and he said he is improving on it. But there's another level to get to that. It's something that you'll never see on the stat sheet, guys. But it's invaluable in the game, especially playing with somebody like John, where you screen. And now think of this. Thomas is more offensively gifted than March was. So if you steal March's screen game to go with your pick and pop game, like you were saying, Chris, or diving to the basket, goodness gracious, Thomas Bryant is going to get – I hate to use the term. There's going to be some spoon-fed buckets for him. So <laughs> I'm really excited about that part of the game. It's something so small that I want Wizards fans to look at next year. Watch and see how he screens. 
watching the half court where he is now diving to the basket or popping and hitting threes. And now all of a sudden you're going to be like, how did Thomas Bryant get so much better? He got so much better by doing something so minute and small that you would not pay attention to it unless somebody told you to. Yeah, and when you consider the circumstances of what this season was, there were so many different things that we didn't know that we were going to learn, more so than any other team would normally have to go through, with John out, with Brad taking over in the number one spot, with everything that happened in Orlando, where you then take Brad out and all these other young guys come up. But, Chris, this kind of goes back to the first thing that you said. For me, it was just – it's the depth of that young core. And Thomas Bryant was great, and he popped off the screen, I think, more than anybody in that group. But for me, going back to October – I think everybody around the team kind of knew that none of this young core is probably going to be a Bradley Beal or a John Wall, barring, you know, a, a, an unforeseen jump that could certainly happen. But at this point, you know, it's about how many of these guys are something and not necessarily all-star, superstar, something like that, but how many of these guys are something. And I don't think then, if you asked anybody that at this season's end, they would have said that there would be three or four or five guys that are all something. And Thomas Bryant is something. Troy Brown Jr., Rui, Jerome, Isak Bonga, they're all different and, you know, are going to play out on different levels and stuff like that, but they're all something. And we really, really learned that in Orlando, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side or in some cases both. But every single one of those guys proved to be something. And I think that's darn near best-case scenario you can ask for if you're the Wizards when you're looking forward and you have those two superstars that are coming back and are going to be leading the charge. Just how much something can you put around them to make it work and be flexible? And I think the Wizards are in a really good position on that front. But question number three, guys, what player's season-long performance surprised you the most? You guys are going to find this crazy, but I think it's Brad. And the reason why it's Brad is like every night he was number one on somebody's scouting report and he delivered. What do you have? 20, what, Zach, what was it? 20 straight games of 25 or more? I mean, he had 21, yeah. He, I mean, it was like every night you were like, okay, Brad, Brad's arriving. Zach, you guys are getting like the, 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 the photo op of him arriving to the arena. Chalk him up for 25, right? And this is, against really good teams. I remember the shootout that they had in Milwaukee with him and Middleton. I mean, he's he went up against, like, the best teams in the league knowing that he had to be the guy every night. Yes, Dodd, this was probably going to be, like, the number two option. Maybe there's going to be somebody else that was going to be that second guy. But every night he did that. And, you know, I was talking to Drew Hanlon before the season started, Brad's uh, trainer, and he said that, they talked about going for the 30-point plateau this year because it was something that Brad targeted. It's like, I think I can, get, I can average 30 a game. You know how hard it is to get 30? I mean, that's, that's a stupid number, right, when you think about it. Um, that means on your off night, if you had, like, 12, you had to make up for it and get, like, 43. You know what I'm saying? So he, to me, I think from day one of training camp, of him establishing um, the tone of the season to even being down there in Orlando where he's texting and calling and he's still mentally engaged into the game, albeit not being down there. To me, that's like, wow, in his eighth year, he's even getting better, not only as a basketball player, but the leadership thing. And the leadership thing is really important, right? Um, You can – any. Any superstar can go out there and get numbers and be like, hey, I'm getting mine. But I felt like Brad's 30 was, here's my 30, 
but I'm also getting my assist numbers up. I'm rebounding. I'm defending. I'm engaging the young players and keeping them accountable also while holding himself to that same standard. So for me, I mean, it seems like, wow, why would you pick Brad? It's because in his eighth year, he really got better. No, that's a, that's a good pick. I guess I wouldn't have thought of that at all, but you're right. I mean, his jump over the past three years to now is just unbelievable. Not only this past year, but I mean, to even finish ahead of like Dame who finished averaging 30 and we saw him just go off the last two weeks. That's crazy. Um, I think for me, it's surprising because I just, I don't think you see it as often as we got used to the season, but, but Rui being like so ready, I was, I wasn't expecting that. I will say that, but it, it became less surprising once we saw him play. Like once we saw him scrimmage and practice and training camp, it was like, Oh yeah, this kid's ready. He can play. He can play right now. He can start right now. So I, I would probably say him. I just wasn't expecting it. And then Bonga, I had absolutely no expectations for. Kid's 20 years old. He turns 21, like, still in a few months. I mean, he really is an in- interesting piece um, and, and such a, a great, like, high-spirited kid. Um, I, he surprised me. I did not expect him to have an impact. I thought he'd be with the go-go most of the year. So I, I'd go with Rui and Bonga. I totally agree with Bongi. That that was going to be my pick, just because there are so many there are so many times in the NBA where I think you know teams buy potential. You know, the guy's got a he's got a good frame. He has ball handling skills skills for his size that are unique, and that we saw you know, we saw him used in a lot of different ways. But I think just that his defensive potential really stood out to me. Um, Troy Brown's defensive growth really stood out to me this year. And I know that he's somebody that that's been the focus of, okay, you know, who needs to grow on this team? Troy and Thomas, Troy and Thomas. But I, I think we really saw it from Troy this year. And I especially think we saw it in the bubble when he needed to step up and guard, um, guard better players, take more responsibility. Um, and I, I also think that a lot of, I think Ish Smith has played for so many teams in the league. A lot of people maybe overlooked how well he could fit on a team that just plays the right way around him. And I think he showed this year that, that the wizards he's, I think he's found a home in this, in this team. And I know he has the respect of the locker room. Um, you know, anytime I've gotten to be in there post game, something like that. Um, you know, he has the respect of the vets. He has the respect of the rookies, everybody in between the way he goes about his business is something that everybody can learn something from and so I think just his role on this team is was very important this year and I think that going forward it's, it's going to stay that way even when you know you get strong personalities lead leadership like John and Brad back in the locker room full-time um, having a guy like Ish is super super important too and I think he he proved it on the floor that he's got game that he can play that he can be a difference maker but I also think that he he's an underlying factor in the you know the the ever present chemistry um, part of being a good team. He's a huge part of that. I just remember you guys remember in the bubble where like Mo was struggling and we showed a shot of Ish just there talking to him and it was uh, it was a veteran just talking to a young player about staying locked in even if uh, you're not having a really good game. I, I don't even know what the conversation was, but. 
for me, optically, it looked like he was like leaning in saying, it's okay, man, I've been there, you know, whatever you're going through, it's okay. Um, and, and Zach, you were down there. I have to ask this. This is a question I've kind of had for the players and for people that have been down there is, man, you had to be mentally tough to be down there. I'm like, everybody keeps talking about like, oh, it's just basketball. No, it's not just basketball. It's you're away from your friends, your family. You're literally in a bubble. You can't leave, right? Zach, like, I feel like the mentally tough team is going to win this championship. But being down there as long as you were, did you feel like you, you had moments where you wanted to crack, where you would be like, I want to get out of this bubble. I want to go, you know, I, I just want to go home or I want to be, you know, in, in a different spot? I think there are a few moments. I think personally I, I had so much work going on that it, it focused me on that um, in our, our regiment. I think at first a lot of people were probably thinking, like, man, how are we going to do this? But as the camaraderie grew and the basketball was played every day, I think, you know, you were you were able to, to find ways to pass the time and, and stick together. But, like, I can't say enough about our camaraderie. But you're right. I think the more time you are alone, the more time you have to think. And I think these players were alone a lot. So um, I think the mental part of the game is super important um, because you can feel like, once you lose a game, you're like, man, why are we even here kind of thing? I think that's going to happen in the playoffs for a lot of these teams. And our team had it pretty easy. I thought our hotel arrangement was awesome. I don't know a lot about the other hotels of the other teams, but I know that there have been teams complaining a lot about the accommodations and they're not thrilled with the experience. Um, I mean, we loved it. We were totally cool with it. We had a great experience, but you're totally right. I think the mental toughness and it goes beyond like, you know, mental illness or, um, you know, like having the, the calmness during a game when something doesn't go your way because it, it's just the everyday life. Like it's not just basketball. Like you're living in this situation where you don't have any control out of, of anything you're doing. You can't make your own schedule. You can't <laughs> pick what you're going to eat even. So, I mean, you can order food and pay for it, which some people do, but at the end of the day, like you're kind of on everybody else's time. You got to test, you got to do all this stuff. So that regimen, like if, if you're not used to structure, man, it's a struggle. Yeah. I think it's going to be really fun to watch that play out over the next few weeks. Cause I think you know, we, we all have an idea of how we think the playoffs are going to go and you see the seedings and you see the matchups and it's so easy, especially in the NBA where things normally work themselves out and it's easier to predict who's going to be in the conference finals than maybe it is in other sports. And I don't think that's the case this year. You're going to see you know, maybe the NBA finals end up being between two teams that, you know, we're predicting right now, but you look in the first round of the playoffs, there's going to be a curveball or two that I think really throws people. And I think everything that's happening behind the scenes is going to be primary contributor to that. Um, but before we move on to question four, I just, one more shout out in terms of surprise performances. I can't believe he went unmentioned by all three of you guys, but Davis guys, Davis. I mean, like when, when you look at who he was considered to be coming into this season and like the way, the Wizards welcomed him. It was, it was, you know, hey, he's, he's a great shooter. He's a stretch floor. He's going to make it a little bit easier for everybody else. And a couple weeks into the season, he's established himself as the number two scorer on this team and is just lighting the league up. And I, I think we all knew he could shoot, but what he did this year was, was nonsense. And when you consider the level of difficulty, like, yes, playing next to Brad is great, but he didn't have it easy. He quickly became – the Wizards' number two scorer, which meant that he was getting the number two guy. It's not like he's just coming off the bench. He's this forgotten shooter that's sliding around. By December, people knew who he was, and he continued to light teams up. I thought that was just 
remarkably impressive all the way through the season. He was putting up games with six and seven and eight three-pointers. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully looking forward to next season. You know, if he's in a Wizards uniform, it's, it's fun to imagine what he can do with that amount of space. But let's move to question four. And, you know, with these last two, we're going to look forward a little bit. Um, we talked a little bit about Brad and what he became this year. What does this version of Bradley Beal look like next to John Wall? Well, even before John comes back, he should be an all-NBA player. I don't know if you guys have the stomach for me to go off on that rant on this podcast. So I'll just move on and just say uh, he uh, <laughs> he should look like an All-NBA player. I don't know if he gets 30 next year because you've got a dynamic player coming back. I don't even know what the point total is, but I, I see him handling the ball more now because he's more comfortable in that space too, which would allow John off the ball or maybe even post up smaller guards. I think now – the imagination of the offense now for Scott Brooks is, oh, I've got a lot of options, right? Jackson, you're talking about if Davis does come back. Now imagine him playing with John Wall. <laughs> That's a scary proposition because now he's going to get even more open, right? Uh, I think for Brad, he has – I mean, the sky is the limit with his talent. Uh, he's gotten so much better in every aspect of his game and the motivation to get John back for him, as he has told me, he is looking forward to taking their rightful place back in the playoffs. Where is that? We have no idea, but for him, uh, he's not taking a backseat to anybody on this team anymore. He is uh, with John the face of this franchise. And for him, that means not only the scoring part of it, but the leadership, the in-game stuff, uh, the end-of-game stuff, all of that. Uh, he, he's, he's in the building for all of that. So he wants all the smoke. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next year uh, when John comes back. Yeah, the more I think about it, I think simply put, it's like Bradley Beal's a top 15 player in the league. So No question. So does it really – matter what it looks like in a way like simply put can I think it's going to work yeah I mean I think you just have a, a much better point guard alongside Bradley Beal now and it's someone he can you know when he gets tired he can be like hey John run pick and roll or run the offense for like five straight possessions and feed Thomas Bryant some buckets like or pull up with your mid-range and you know work on your game and uh, there's been some really good, you know, stuff come out of both their mouths about, like, how they're going to play off each other. Like, they've thought about it already. They already know what they're going to do. Um, it's just figuring out maybe exactly who's going to be around them. 100%. Their, their, their chemistry as a duo is, is there. I mean, they're, they're going to they're, they're need to work, up, work it back. Obviously, Brad has improved dramatically. John, though, I mean – John is going to be fully healthy for the first time in how long? And I mean, ever. Yeah. In the NBA, this, he said this is the most, this is the healthiest he has been in his NBA career, guys. That means his rookie right. year, he was hurt. Right. He's been hurt for 10 years. And now he's waking up, Chris, going, I didn't even feel like I played basketball today. That's, that's scary. Uh, other 29 teams, Memo, he's healthy. <laughs> I just laugh. I laugh just to think about like what this dude has done being hurt 
And he went to the All-Star game five times, right? He won a dunk contest. He's done all of that hurt. So right. now he's healthy. That's – I can't help but laugh. I mean, John, John Wall is an all-NBA point guard. I mean, we're, we're saying, like, we're saying that Bradley Beal is an all-NBA guard, which he is. John Wall is, too, hurt. He, he, he playing hurt, he was an all, he made an all NBA team and almost got the Wizards to a, to an Eastern Conference finals against some incredible teams. I mean, I, I, I am just, and I know that he's one, we, we know how John Wall works. We've watched him do it. We know how hard he works. And for him to be putting in that work consistently, not getting to play and to say, Chris, that he woke up feeling perfectly perfectly fine now for the first time in however long I mean I just think that there are there there are going to be the the expectations from from the larger basketball world going into this season I don't think that they can appropriately cap like where John Wall is going to be at coming into this season in terms of his readiness in terms of his hunger um and just his his understanding of of the league I mean we know he's a basketball savant, but he's such a vet now. And just his, I just, just his next level vision of the game, everything is going to be poured into this season. And we said Bradley Beal is an all-NBA guard, and he's going to get to benefit from that. Um, if it's possible for Brad to get better, that's going to happen with John Wall as his point guard. And uh, that's – that's, that's an exciting, exciting proposition. And it's especially – I mean, it's exciting for Brad. It's especially exciting for guys like Davis Bertans. You throw Jerome Robinson out there and, and Thomas Bryant, Rui. Um, think about the load that that's going to take off of those guys, some of which are still young and some of which still need to grow. Um, it's really, really exciting. Not to mention the Wizards also have a draft pick coming up. Yeah. Nice I think you guys really nail it in just in terms of – the caliber of those two guys and what that means for the baseline or the floor of this team. And Zach, you touched on it a little bit, just didn't, we've heard from John, from bad, a little bit about the conversations that they've had of how they're going to play together on the court. And that's, I think what really unlocks the ceiling of what this new version of them can be. How can they, how can they make sure to not just be trading possessions with one another and actually be like working together, whether that's pick and roll together, or it's John getting back to cutting and having Brad and Davis on each side and having just, the paint more wide open than it's ever been for John Wall, who's never had any trouble getting into the paint. I think, you know, them taking a step back, looking at what each of them are now, which is far different than they are, or far different than they were the last time they were all out on the court together and just reassessing all the different things that they can do now um, is scary and exciting and a lot of different adjectives. I would say the scariest version of them so far has been the 16-17 uh, playoff against Atlanta. You guys remember that game six closeout in Atlanta? Mm -hmm. um, that, to me, might have been the best I've seen of them together working in concert. Jackson, you were talking about you take a couple shots. I, take, I thought that that series, that game at Phillips Arena was the one game where I look back and go, they weren't just – taking turns, they were working in concert with one another, and there was absolutely nothing the, Haw uh, the Hawks could do that night. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, the rappers were sitting there on the baseline, and John was trash talking. Who was that? Was that Gucci Mane? Who was Future. That? Future. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Julio John Jones. was still in his bag. He was like, he's like trash talking, you know, rappers on the sideline. That was like the best version, I think, of Wall and Beal, Beal in 16, 17. And I think that's the healthiest hurt John was, right? So now if he is 100% and you know, you guys know he hears the noise. He knows that uh, everyone has talked about how you're never the same coming back from an Achilles injury. Uh, he actually might be better because what what it teach him is you don't have to go 100 miles an hour. You don't have to drive to the basket every time. He's been working on this jump shot, and it looks good. It looks really good, actually. And now you can literally pick and choose when – you want to be that dude because the other dude in that backcourt is that dude. So I, I'm, I'm, um, I literally just saw that game the other day I was watching it. And that's why I brought it up. Cause I was just like, damn, they are really like good together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah. that, I'm excited about that prospect. Well, and it's interesting when you compare that 16, 17 roster with this one, and how well this group of guys suits those two players going forward. Next year, this roster is ready to fly up and down the court, just move. I mean, and we talked a lot about the young nucleus in Orlando. A lot of those guys are just versatile wings that can get up and down the court. They can make a jump shot when they need to. They can defend multiple positions. And most importantly, whether it's Troy, Ish, Isak, even Thomas Bryant, these guys can move. It is going to be fast next year. That's obvious when John Wall is, you know, helming things in the offense. And it's obvious when Bradley Beal is getting up and down the court like he did last year. But this roster next year is set to fly. It is going to be fast. And Rosen, you mentioned that, or Chris, I think it was you right around the corner. You know, they're going to be adding someone else to this roster. And that'll transition us to our fifth and, and final question. What should the Wizards be looking for? in October's draft? Hopefully they get the number one pick because as you guys know, good things happen to this organization every 10 years, right? Kwame <laughs> got one, we got John 10 years ago. So it seems like uh, the stars are aligning <laughs> for the number one pick. And if that's the case, um, you know, there's really three guys that are on my radar that play different positions, right? Um, James Wiseman is very intriguing to be a big man that can run the floor left-handed. Um, didn't play a lot at Memphis, so we don't have a lot of film on him, but I did see him on the AAU circuit. He's really good. Skilled, big man, run the floor. Like you said, Jackson, needs somebody to keep running with John, right? This Anthony Edwards kid from Georgia is very intriguing to me. I love his size. I don't know if he's 6'6 or 6'4, but either way, he is a big guard. I remember we were in Denver, uh, Rosen, and I was in the hotel room. I think we were getting ready to go to the mall or go to dinner or something. I was like, hang on, I got to see this, this <laughs> Edwards kid. And he gave yeah. Sparty, I think, 29 in the second half. And I was like, oh, this dude is legit uh, NBA body, ready to play. And the other one to me is Obi Toppin. And I know people will be like, well, we just drafted Rui last year. I don't think you can get enough athletes, right? and high basketball ceilings. So those are kind of the three that I'm looking at, and they all play different positions. Um, but again, good things happen to this organization every 10 years, so hopefully this, is, uh, this will happen again for us. Speaking into existence. And the other thing for the Wizards, I know it's, 
it's only like a few picks earlier, but they have the the Bulls pick this year in the second round. So they traded, we traded, the Wizards traded the 30, it'll be like 39th or whatever, um, to New Orleans in that uh, Marquise Morris trade uh, to offload his salary. And then we got this pick in the, the auto trade. So um, that'll be 37th. I think that's set in stone, uh, or maybe it depends on the lottery. I always forget how the second round works. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned the main guys. I know you didn't talk about LaMelo Ball, who is, you know, kind of the, the hot name flashy he's played against you know some some pretty good talent the last three years of his life he obviously brings a lot with him but um super talented <laughs> kid uh you've got a lot of foreigners who uh you know we don't know a ton about but if we know Tommy Shepard we know he scouts internationally like nobody else he's got connections everywhere Killian Hayes out of France uh, is a pretty big point guard uh young kid uh Denny Avija who is probably going to be my favorite player ever because he's Israeli um, wherever he lands, uh, he'll be the second coming of Omri Caspi. Uh, you got uh, some wings like Isaac Okoro, Devin Vassal, uh, or Vassal, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, Cole Anthony, uh, Tar Heel, who Greg Anthony's kid. I mean, he was a huge prospect out of high school, kind of faded this year, but he was a, like, if the Tar Heels would have made the tournament, which I don't think they were going to. He could have been a, a candidate. Why you gotta bring that up, Rosen? this season never happened. Twenty twenty. I think what you're we lucky it didn't happen. Is, I think what we learned from COVID is if your team played bad before COVID, it never happened. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Yeah, there's not going to be a champion, so it doesn't really matter as long as Duke didn't win this year. I mean, that's there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you went through. I, I think with with all this, it's like if you go with a big, it makes sense, right? You, you you have Thomas, you have Mo. They can play the four or five. They're not like traditional big centers. If you go with a wing, you can never never have enough wings. And if you go with you know a point guard or a ball handler, I mean your your backcourt's you know veterans at this point. So you need some young guys to to help run the second unit and groom a little bit anyway. So I don't think they can go wrong. I know Tommy Shepard has said publicly he likes like seventeen players in this draft. So I don't think the Wizards are too you know concerned about where they fall. But yeah, it'd be nice to move up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't uh, you can't fault them for wanting to have as many options as they can. We hope that they can they can make that jump at least into the top four. It would be really really exciting and um, give us a lot to prognosticate about. But yeah, in terms of in terms of the fit in this team, almost everybody on this roster. I mean, I would say everybody on this roster is versatile. They can defend multiple positions. Um, you know, the longer the better. The more athletic, the better. We talked about who they're going to have to play with. We know how John and Brad like to play. We know how Thomas Bryant likes to play. We've watched Thomas Bryant run the floor in Orlando uh, like crazy. Man. I mean, it's just it's it's another dimension at that position that you would you would expect the Wizards want to keep that level for 48 minutes, whoever's on the floor. And so there's a lot of names that can accomplish that, and and we're going to dive way way more into it. But um, I think it's those things. It's it's being able to move up and down the floor better than average for your position if that's if that's a if that's a trait and um we'll we'll just have to see where we end up next week but if there's one thing i know it's it's tommy shepherd has has proven early that he and his staff know how to win on the margins in these kinds of things they're going to be able to make a good pick in the second round if they want to they're going to be able to maneuver if they feel like they need to um we know what the expectations are for this team they're going to flip next season it's 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 full go next season 
And so whatever Tommy and, and crew feel like they need to do with the capital that they're going to get in this draft, uh, I expect them and, and know they're going to make the right call. Um, you don't need to look any further than Isak Bonga, Mo Wagner, uh, Davis, Bertans. Um, they know how to maneuver in this league. And I think that that's a huge, huge asset for this team that is, is on the cusp and, and expects to be on the cusp of, of being back in contention next year. Yeah, there's, you don't see a lot of lottery teams that are going to be picking where the Wizards are picking. Obviously, I think it's a 20 or so percent chance to, to jump into the top four. They got a real chance to do that. And there's not a lot of teams that are going to pick that high that are ready to roll next year. And the Wizards are ready to roll. So you're looking, I think, at, at these picks differently than a normal lottery team might be. There's not a ton of dribbles or a ton of shots to go around like you might normally see on a team drafting in the top four. John Wall and Bradley Beal are going to be back. Hopefully Davis is back. Troy Brown Jr. has stepped up to a point where he's going to handle a lot of the offense. Thomas Bryant has proven his ability to score. It's different. Like you said, Chris, you're looking for versatility. And I think most importantly, you're looking for defense. That's the one thing the team was really missing this year. And if somehow you can find a guy that just becomes a defensive stopper and can change the way teams have to approach you, one play, it, it, people think of this more on the offensive end, but one player can change an entire defense. Mm -hmm. And I know he's young and I know he, he's really fresh in the league, but when you look at what Matisse Thibault did for the Sixers last year. Get ready to say that. Great yeah, call. He, mm -hmm. he just jumps in and he was, he was a late round pick. He wasn't a lottery guy. So he, it's yep. a little bit different circumstances, but he changed everything about that defense. And I mean, the Wizards, they really only have upwards to go from a defensive perspective this year, but that doesn't mean that can't be a huge jump. You can have one guy. Flip. You think about that, Jackson, just saying, you know, Matisse Thibault, you think, listen, you, you talked about, you know, the Rockets game, it kind of set the tone for the whole year. You know, I coined this first team to 120 thing and like, you're like, it's funny, but like, I'm like, enough. I want to get first team to 110 next year, maybe first team to 100, you know, a guy like Matisse Thibel is somebody that you don't have to give the ball to, but you can at least say, hey, when you come into the game, go get that guy. See, that, that's the way you got to move now when you're looking at this draft is we might not have to get uh, this superstar to come in right away because that's not what we need, right? We don't need that. We got the two superstars and the requisite pieces. So if you're in the draft and you're like, this is a specific need that we need on this team right now, you know, I look at Philly with Matisse Thibel. To me, he's I I love watching him play because he he has a I give a you know what on the defensive end. So great call on that one. Um, I don't know if there's a Thibel out there in this year's no. draft though, but if there's somebody that fits a very unique skill set, then go get that guy. Yeah, and when you look at the Wizards roster, to give credit to some of the young guys, like Isaac Bonga could easily make a jump where it's like, whoa, where where did he come from? Like he, he's not letting anybody get around him. He showed some really, really strong defensive traits this year. Jerome Robinson showed himself to be pretty capable defending guys out on the perimeter. There's pieces there, but you know, it's about consistency. So whatever position it is, like you guys all ran through it, like there's room for additions basically across the board. It's you got to play defense. The Wizards have to find somebody that can really add to, to that side of the court because the offense is accounted for. We talked about it this entire pod. Like, it's going to be really, really fun next year on that end of the court. And if you can just get a guy that adds a little bit on the defensive end, you know, maybe this can go to another level that we're not even predicting yet. But uh, we will have plenty of time to see that play out. I think we'll wrap with that, guys. This was this was fun. It was a really good way, I think, to look back at the season that was. And um, it was a weird season. It was, as we said, stop and start and much longer than anticipated, especially for – 
um, you know, this Wizards team, but it, it was it was fun. And you know, Chris, we're going to miss hearing you on the game night broadcasts, but we look forward to. I'll be back. I'll be back. I just want to know something before we leave, though, Rosen. What do you have in your water bottle? I mean, let's be honest here. You're amongst friends. I know it's not just water in there. You just got back from you know being in the bubble. Oh, it's water, all right, with a little of uh, the Naveen special drip drop electrolytes. Got to stay hydrated, man. Yeah, it it might be 5 o'clock somewhere, but it's only 3 o'clock here. I got you, man. Hey, good luck to your brewers this year, brother. Oh, we need it. We definitely need it. The season's like a fourth of the way done at this point. No, right. That's just been crazy, man. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Enjoy your off-seasons. Again, Good things happen in decades with this organization. Let's just hope next week you guys will be talking about the number one pick. How cool would that be? Let's do it. Thanks, Chris. No problem. Anytime.